There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to another Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's wonderful to be back again and... Gosh, I've got an interesting show today with uh, with three amazing guests, and I can't wait to uh, to introduce them to you. And they're all guests who've been on the show before, and uh, and therefore I've selected them as a very special group uh, to come along today and to talk about uh, leading with love or leading with fear. Uh, so some of you who listen to this show uh, regularly, and you know, thank you so much for those who do. I want to. You know, you've heard me talk before around sort of elevating leadership and uh, and and why I think we need to uh, think about way leading differently today in this backdrop of of politics and you know unrest amongst various sort of countries and challenges we see with organisations. And I think there's been other things that have really, really kind of pushed me along in that uh, in that kind of thinking. You know, a few months ago, I interviewed uh, an amazing man, Dr. Mansour Malik. Um, who was uh, chairman of the uh, International Diplomatic Business Club uh, and magazine. He's an international lawyer. And I was astonished um, after interviewing him. He's based over in Dubai um, by the, just a the level of interest on a subject that we did, which was called Leading with Love. I've never, ever been more inundated with positive feedback, literally from just so, so many countries all, all over the world. And um, I realized that's, you know, there's a, a movement that's going on uh, around the world that are people who are wanting to come together and do leadership in a, in a very different different way. Uh, I'm very excited, actually, that Dr. Mansur Malik, um, uh, we've become good friends, and he's in, invited me to Turkey in a few weeks. So I'm hoping to be doing some recordings over there and, and interviewing some very interesting people like the Director of Culture for Turkey. And uh, I'm going to, to a festival which is um, celebrates the life of Rumi, who um, was introduced to by Mansour, um, not personally because he lived in the 1200s, um, but he was seen as a, a mystic philosopher, a scholar who taught peace, love and tolerance and eventually gained a really, really huge following and had such an impact that even today, after all those years, a million people come together to celebrate over a 10-day period in his life and his teachings. So again, even a, a country there, which is um, showing in various sort of tension, and there's people coming together to, um, to sort of celebrate and look at new ways of doing things and, and come together. I also introduced um, Esther Wozniacki, who's the mother of three hugely successful daughters, one of them being the, the um, CEO of YouTube, about raising successful people. And it, you know, that subject was really um, hugely listened to as well. And you know, it raises an interesting question, doesn't it, when it comes to things like you know, leadership and behaviours. When we see our kids who are you know, on the internet and using devices and, uh, and seeing politicians behave the way they do, what do we, how do, what do we teach them? So is it best to always use uh, love rather than fear for personal business or political progress? Should we be encouraging qualities such as integrity, love and peace, rather than using fear to gain power at all costs as embodied in Machiavelli's 16th century teachings, The Prince? 
I um I think that um you know if you've not read that have a little look at that book and just see what you see what you think you know do we need to teach our kids and stu- and students you know dubious as well as honorable qualities as, as so they can survive in the 21st century game of thrones I don't know. It'd be interested to know what your thought is. Well, I do know. I have some, I have some strong feelings on that. But it's fascinating today. Politicians still study that document, which, uh, which um, you know, doesn't always translate into admirable behaviours. Um, so the world's full of opportunity, I think, to come together and solve global prob- problems. But it's it's littered with with challenges and issues. So today, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Elizabeth Finberg Hearn. She's the CEO of Catapult Partners. She's an award-winning author of the Team Formula: Leading Teams, Ten Challenges, Ten Solutions, and the Leader's Guide to Impact. And although based in the UK now, she's originally from Stockholm or from Sweden, and, um, but lived in Stockholm. And I think well, she probably lived a little bit further north as well. In Sweden, so she represents. Um, let's say she represents Scandinavia. We've also got um, Rolene um, uh, Boxham. Uh, she's co-founder and principal of Presence at Work, which is a really successful collective leadership company in the Netherlands. And also Stephen Morris, brand strategy consultant, MS degree artist, and author, who's thriving consultancy works with organisations across the US. And um, he's based in San Diego. So a huge welcome to Elizabeth, Rolene, and Steve. Well, thank you, thank Chris. You. Thank you. <laughs> right, you know, it's a real privilege to have you all on the show. And, you know, you're here because I really enjoyed interviewing you all, all before. Mm-hmm. And we've all become friends as well. And so, but it's the first time that we've all been together as, uh, as four. So I'm, I'm really excited to, about this interview today. So I'm very grateful to you all for being here. So why do you think this debate, why do you think it's important today? I'm going to start with you, Elizabeth. Um, I would say it's, it was probably always important as such, but I think today in a globalized, interconnected world where we can and need to connect more, somehow our impact is greater, right? So we need to think even more about what we create in others. So I think love creates very specific responses in people, as does fear. And I think as you're talking about political landscape, the fact that we have the social media that allows us to to share information that may be true or not true means we we have so much greater impact. So we really need to think more about this. And I think we need to unify. I think in this globalized world where we have more transparency, we need to do more to come together rather than divide people. And I think uh, love unifies and connects. Well, that's really, really fascinating. And, you know, me being a a Brit and living in the UK, and there's something called Brexit happening, you know, at the moment, which is, you know, pulling away. And in the United States, Donald Trump's about talks about making, you know, America great, and uh, and that seems to be, you know, we seem to be moving away from this unification. I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on all of this, really? Well, uh, what I would like to add is that that, that high-tech world that we've created uh, on a technological uh, aspect uh, is also creating we're, we're more connected than ever and at the same time we sort of fall behind ourselves. Uh, sometimes it feels like we as humans are running on old programming while we're in a high-tech world. And I think uh, the heart is so um, powerful and is so much smarter in a way also. It creates that unity and it's... Um, and it also, I think, will help us keep pace uh, with the current uh, dynamics in the world to actually keep track and not fall behind. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? 
I, I think it's a, a great set of questions, and uh, especially in this particular day and age with uh, the things that you just mentioned on, Chris, the political landscape uh, really globally, not just in the U.S. and, and the U.K., um, I think we have to ask ourselves as leaders, how do we see the world and which game do we want to play? And by that, do I mean, do we see the world as a competitive place where we have to win at all costs and do anything that it takes to win? Or do we see the world as a collaborative place where uh, working together uh, actually creates and serves the world in a, in a much more powerful way? And I think the questions that we ask ourselves really define how we play the game or which game we actually play and how we see the world. And so depending on the way you ask or answer that particular question, how do I see the world as a competitive place or collaborative place defines how you actually show up and behave. Mm. Yeah, I I think that's a really, really good point. I think Rolene was saying there as well, and I think I picked that up as well from you, Elizabeth, is about actually this idea of kind of reaching inside ourselves and uh, and maybe you know if we cho- choose um, you know a loving perspective, uh, then rather than a competitive perspective, um, perhaps the world will would come together in a much more unified way. Yeah, it's also I think really about are we using force uh, like with our egos and you know wanting to dominate, or do we uh, or do we use power and the heart really empowers where things starts to flow and where we all join in. And it's uh, so much more pleasurable, of course. But I think that's also like what what game do you want to play, as Steve says? Uh, Do you want to force it or do you want to empower empower your environment? Yeah, especially the repercussions of that. It can be that there's a love affair. You know, it can be it can be an individual interaction on on a day on the, the underground with somebody through to through to you know a country deciding um from a, a perspective of ego and wanting to win to drop bombs on another country it's uh, the impact can be can be small but it can also be huge can't it yeah steve what do you what do you think you know is love or fear a more powerful force for for leadership progress for example Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, um, you know, you think about it, or I think about it in the context of the organizational life, or, uh, you know, especially through the lens of this particular conversation. And we think about, you know, the role of the leader really is to, you know, set the belief system and the behavior system, and then the organization will follow. So, the, the old paradigm of, you know, top-down leadership, which is really the, uh, the fear-based leadership, you know, you're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do, and you're going to do it when I tell you to do it, and uh, all the things that sort of trickle out with that. Or uh, the more, I think, the more current paradigm, which is the uh, either the bottom-up with a flat, flat organization leadership perspective, which is really all about... Uh, aligning the beliefs of, of the organization so that people create a connection and a sense of belonging that we work together to serve a greater good. And that greater good can be the purpose of the company, the purpose of the organization. And, you know, the, the saying that goes, um, you know, fear is a terrible advisor uh, certainly comes into play with this. And I think, you know, when you think about how people are motivated from uh, when they're motivated by fear, they tend to make much more mistakes. They tend not to be as uh, nearly as collaborative and certainly not as creative. Yeah, so, so I mean, I think, 
you know, the, the well-being of an organization and the people in it and the interactions with with customers etc where there's an organization is that 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 tense fear that people are being watched observed um significantly uh, measured uh, and where there isn't kind of that empowerment and that feeling that you've of love towards a real purpose and it can be very very detrimental can't it what are your thoughts elizabeth yeah, I agree. Because I think when, when you think about it, when we're fearful, we could maybe in a survival mode, it can help us to move into action. But most of the time, if we're in a fearful mode, we just haven't got access to all our internal resources. We can't think clearly. We can't we can't connect either because we're sort of going inside to just protect ourselves. So so none of the healthy connection with others will happen either. I also think it's a question of thinking about what do I want to achieve? Because sure, there will have been times where people will have been able to progress as a leader by using fear and, and force, but it's, it's very short-lived because eventually people are not going to connect with that. They may have to for the moment, but as soon as they have a chance to turn against that, they will. Whereas I think when you, when you use love as a force or as power moving forward, then that goes so much further. The long-term effects of that are so much greater. And, and I guess where you use fear predominantly, it can come back to bite you, can't it? I'm I, my probably lowest oh, point. Yes. <laughs> in, my lowest point in my career, and was when somebody who was um, you know, more senior than me had uh, decided it was time that I left uh, left the business, and really used fear uh, to try and break me because we we mm. didn't see eye, we didn't see eye to eye. I didn't like his values, to be honest. Mm. And interestingly, that had a you know very took me quite a few years actually to get over that experience. But I've met many many people who've um, had that same experience with the same person over the years, and uh, and now somebody who's who's had that similar experience is now almost systematically competing uh, against him and uh, taking his business apart. So it's, it's taken a lot of years, but it's really coming mm. back to bite him, and um, you know he's kind of getting his comeuppance really, which is a shame because actually he did have. You know, he did have love with inside him that he could have um, he could have led from, but uh, chose not to. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what you sow is what you reap. Huh? Like, so if you yeah. bring all that fear, it will get back to you. Yeah. Do you do, do you think? I mean, um, do you think is is there an argument for being skilled at, uh, at both? You know, we take the work of of Cialdini and the power of persuasion. Uh, you know, he talks in there about, um, you know, many different components of being able to influence people. And, you know, a lot of those involve fear, the risk of losing something before the, you know, a higher price cuts in. So if you don't um, buy on Black Friday, you know, by uh, 12 o'clock or whatever, you're not going to get this amazing deal or the, you know, the fear of uh, authority figures which can influence people. Obviously, Machiavelli, Machiavelli had um, you know, several points around this uh, too. Um, as I didn't quite get on to you know, Rolene much with you in the last question, maybe just you, you might want to just follow on with that and then I'll ask Steve. Yeah. Um, okay, well, Steve, you go ahead first. <laughs> okay, you do that, Steve. Sure, sure. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. So there's a couple things worth talking about within that. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, I think when a lot of people go into fear mode, they're actually not conscious of it. Um, you know, fear is one of those reactionary things when we're about to lose something uh, that could be something very significant, like lose our lives or lose our job as Chris, you were just pointing out. Um, and I think people actually go into more reactionary mode where 
their, uh, the, the animalistic primal elements of our nature begin to kick in. And those things include, you know, f- flight, fr- fright, fight, flight, or freeze. And those are reactions that are kind of all, you know, sort of limiting our ability to be moving forward. There is something to be said for, and the point was brought up earlier about, you know, how fear can be a motivator to to get us out of stuck positions. But the more conscious we are about how, which particular, again, I go back to my metaphor of which game we're playing, the more conscious we are about whether or not we're leveraging uh, or utilizing fear or love, uh, the more likely we are to capitalize on those things. And again, I go back into the point of when we apply uh, uh, this concept of love or passion for what we're doing or even purpose and service, uh, then we can be much more productive and creative in the work that we're doing. As, um, I, I scanned through some of Machiavelli before we we um, were talking earlier. And you know, one of the kind of, in a principle that he had, which I just I just don't don't agree with, but um, was that he he said that the the appearance of virtue uh, may be more important than true virtue, and mm. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that. You know, Rowling, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, you always feel uh, underneath if someone is genuine or not, or not. Really? Uh, and uh, you and that's how we also create trust because we always respond to uh, how people treat us. Even if they're polite or friendly, if it's, uh, if there's underneath the feeling of you know that that it's not genuine, uh, we're creating uh, we're, we're creating unsafety in a way. Uh? So the authenticity uh, is very important. Yeah, mm. Elizabeth. Yeah, I agree. I think it has it has to be true virtue. Otherwise, people will see through it without a doubt. I think it's interesting though to think about the whole, you know, some some research suggests that we are more motivated also by hopeful outcomes than negative and fearful ones, for example. So even though there are sometimes in influencing techniques, there are that sort of fear of something that can motivate, but actually research is now suggesting that we are more motivated by the positive outcomes. So that's something to keep in mind as well, because that's leaning more towards the love side then. Yes, yes, that makes a... Makes enormous amount of sense, isn't it? If if something's something's compelling, yeah. Uh, well, I think if something is compelling and positive, you want to naturally step forward. You want to contribute. You want to. Hey, it's good for your confidence. Exactly, it draws it's, you in, right? It draws you in. You you want. To, hey, it's it's compelling. It 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 touches your heart. You, it it connects with your uh, values, and you want to contribute. And I think that's that's what love also uh, brings. I think. And the, the courage for others uh, to want to step in. Excellent. On that note, we're going to go to commercial break. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. We're talking about leading with love or leading with fear. Uh, I have Elizabeth, Rolene and Steve who are um, on the line with me as well from representing Scandinavia and Europe and and America. So we really are an international show. Uh, So um, it's uh, it's just a real privilege to be talking about this conversation with uh, this group of people. So if you've got any questions or comments, I do love to hear them. So do feel free to uh, send them through to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. If you want to connect with any one of our guests as well, feel free to uh, to get in touch and uh, we can we can try and make that happen for you. So let's work on the premise that we want to be more authentic, more caring, loving in our work. Um, what are the benefits? What are the, and what are the tips that you can offer, Elizabeth? I think for me, it would start with knowing yourself. To be authentic, you have to know your un- yourself, understand yourself, like yourself, right? So I think self-esteem is really important, to actually believe in yourself and, and, and believe that you are good as you are. And, and with that high self, self-esteem comes a care for others, and we can then be generous towards others as well. And then that comes back, of course. And, I mean, benefits from that is, yeah, feels good, right? But, but also, we need each other. People need each other. We need to collaborate with each other, whether it is, whether it is at work or outside of work. So, in reality, we, if we do that for ourselves, then we can help create that in others as well. Mm. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, this particular point is going to uh, double down on what Elizabeth just said. You know, I've been working with this particular quote by Carl Jung uh, that goes, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our life and we will call it fate. And what Jung meant by that is by making our unconscious behaviors conscious, we become much more action-oriented in our choices of how we want to live our lives. And it's my belief that better people make better leaders. And when mm-hmm. the leaders and leaders and leadership teams work on themselves, do the hard work of uh, adulting themselves, understanding uh, what their personal motivations are, what their deeply held beliefs are, what their drivers are, and what's really important to them in their lives, the more they do that work, the more they make that work conscious, the more they put it not just in their personal lives, but into their work environments. 
Well, yes, I agree with that. Mm. How about you, Berlin? Yeah, I think what's very important as well is that we start to feel more, to actually not th- only think about what our opinion is or what, what, uh, how we, f- but more like how we feel about things, to actually slow down and to connect with our hearts how we feel about a situation uh, and to to sense like is this in tune with my 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 my, uh, my values um, because it's like a, a very important compass also to know what to pursue in your authenticity and and what's not uh, in line with what you truly uh, care for or what's really important to you. So I think that's very important in being more authentic to actually feel more about how you feel about things than to think about it. I think that's a really, really good good point. And I'm just sort of now thinking a little bit about some work you and I, Steve, did for uh, quite a while and probably time we reconnected on it where we were both uh, we were both sort of simultaneously journaling in the morning and the evening and actually you know writing down against a set of a set of questions our our feelings as well as our our thoughts and we, we had some some um, free thinking and some structure around that but also you know a, a bit of a meditative practice built into it too and I don't think uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts Steve I, mean, I don't think I've been more kind of in touch with 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 my feelings, uh, and uh, and also actually where I was heading and moving things forward, as when I was adopting that practice. Mm. Did you find yeah. the same, Steve? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so interesting that you bring that up, Chris. I was thinking about the same thing too. And and uh, one of my you know daily rituals is meditation in the morning and then journaling immediately after that. And the that journaling process and practice is uh, a self reflective process. And it is, uh, or at least I have found it for me to be uh, a methodology to get very clear about what it is that's important to me in my life and what am I doing and how I'm, I'm moving forward into the world, but also how do I feel about what I'm actually doing? Uh, how do I feel about um, the things that I'm you know, bumping up into in my own world and in my own uh, life? And it's almost like um, you know, the, there's a Buddhist philosophy or Buddhist practice where you go and take yourself for a walk in the woods and you actually talk out loud to yourself. So uh, th- this particular journaling practice is sort of like having a conversation with yourself about yourself. And, it, and the fact of the, the act of writing it down and then potentially reading it back to yourself is, is in fact a conversation. And I think it does get you much more, at least for me, much more in top, touch with how I think and what I'm feeling and what's important. Excellent. There's a, another Zen Buddhist saying, which is walk, not wobble. And I think by doing through that, that practice, I think I certainly found that I was able to, like your your journey that you described there, to, to walk a bit more through life rather than be wobbling through it. It uh, just enabled you to clear your thoughts and your feelings and and get some get some kind of focus and it all comes down to i think we you sort of all described there you know it's almost like we've got to really really hold keep holding a mirror up to ourselves and and by working on ourselves uh, then that starts to impact everything in, in around us really and i think the journaling as well it really does that it, you stop in that moment you stop and all the focus goes there rather than just running you know a lot of the time people are so busy just running doing running doing <laughs> and yeah. and and in reality we need to stop and and reflect more and and think and feel and do all of that to be able to to process it that way i actually very short 
very short stories. In the first book that I wrote together with Mandy Flint, uh, a, a friend and colleague of mine, was called The Team Formula. And through that book, it's, it's written as a novel, but through the book, a lot of it is journaling by the leader of the book be, or, or this team in the book because he's really struggling with what's going on and someone's told him he should be journaling. It's really interesting. We found even writing it that as we did that, it helped us reflect, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even writing it for him. So mm. it's such a powerful practice. Yeah. yeah, what I what I like is it, we're really talking about our interior condition and to really be very, very curious about it uh, because, yeah, uh, the more pure or hard, the better we know ourselves because I think from that interior condition and the quality of it, we're creating our reality. Uh, and then we're back at the, choose, right. what are we choosing? How, what are we choosing? What's the game we want to play? Mm-hmm. And I think that starts with the quality of our interior condition. And yeah. journaling is excellent to to get to get to know yourself uh, from within. Yeah, yeah, and having that taking that time to think. It's sometimes in life, I think, when if you're in the automatic process of just trying to get from A to B as quick as you can with everything, uh, you miss out on so much and the, the subtleties of of life and being able to impact it through who you're being. And I think with that journaling, it it, it really kind of helps that with you to keep connected to what's important and and sometimes the you know the shortest way isn't always the quickest way you know maybe a more effective way to uh, to take the time to do something properly uh, and uh, i think that that can also help you do that um, I, I think now rolling you told me when we, we had a conversation about this interview that one of your connections um, and i thought it was a, a really fascinating story this um was um or, or example was that she in, in her um, in her job description was written that she she had to love people, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know their employees and clients. And I wonder if that this is something that you don't. Yeah. Ask. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I would like to take it a little bit further. Here in the Netherlands, we see that actually love is uh, uh, becomes part of the strategy. Uh, it's part of the strategy. And um, in this particular example, I'm talking about like a, a, a like a. Um, like a sort of Amazon uh, organization uh, who uh, for customer service has very deliberately uh, made strategy about bringing love to the client and to connect all hearts with, with the clients. And so that's for, so everything is focused on how to connect to our feelings, how to be real and genuine and how from that interior condition, make the connection with the client uh, that they'll had that they will sense in a very different way Um uh, that it's that it's real and authentic. Uh, so yeah, so that's not only in the job description, but it's actually uh, more and more. Uh, love is not like a word that is. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a word that is easily used in the Netherlands now in uh, in in strategy uh, development, mm. and to give it like a proper place, mm, and to be very intentional about it. Mm. Yeah, Elizabeth. Uh, I. I think I think it's, it's a fascinating one. I've, I've seen the same thing. I've seen examples of people actually having in their job description. And personally, I love it, right? But <laughs> I think it's interesting to think, though. I think sometimes people are scared of the word love, and particularly in the workplace, right? There's even a fear that it can be inappropriate to use it in the workplace because it's more something, you know, that is outside of work. Work should be business. I think there is a shift going on. I think there is a shift, uh, but I can see that in organizations, maybe the word love is sometimes strong. And depending on what kind of culture you have, that may not be the one that people connect with straight away. It can actually 
potentially put people off, right? Um, but I think as a minimum, I think there's a word in there about liking people. I think that's like a minimum requirement for a leader, for example, to like people. If you like people, you connect with people. So I think it's it's important to, to work on that. You know, you, you meet people and you say, I want to get to know this person. I want to like them, right? How can I find out more about them so that I can connect? Because I don't think we can connect really if we're not liking someone or indeed loving them, right? But I'm, I'm sort of putting the words very close to one another. I think it's quite interesting that you, that almost, uh, for some, for people, I think when you, when you when you work with people, as we all do, we all work, you know, collectively and one to one with people. And it sometimes even the, the you know the toughest of people, when you get down to what's really 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 important at a very deep level with them, it's um, you know, it, it's it's the connection, it's the love with you know with family and and people around themselves. But it's almost like we build layers up, and and actually talking about that word love is you know it's almost a a bridge too far, isn't it? So you know the the bridge in stops at like rather than gets. <laughs> really deep down to what's really, really important. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, it's, it's so interesting listening to uh, what we're talking about here because part of what I'm hearing is a little bit of a I dare you invitation to use the word love in, in the work environment. And, um, and uh, you know, part like I, after we have this conversation, I think I'm going to journal on, uh, you know, how, <laughs> how would I actually apply it much more so in my world because, you know, the, I, I actually tend not to use the word love very often. Um, although one of my earlier books was called uh, Brand Love and Loyalty, but it was really about um, belonging. And so a lot of the work that I do in organizational life and even around brands is is about how we connect as human beings to one another, um, either through the organizational life, through the culture of the organization, and uh, and even how we connect as a customer to any brand that we purchase from uh, in a service or product. And so I talk a lot about the concept of belonging, which as we know is a core attribute of what it means to be human. Um, this, I think, is the threshold to love, but it also, in at least in corporate America, if you will, um, belonging and connection are, are safer language sets to utilize. Uh, because when, when, you know, with the Me Too movement and things like that that happened here in the U.S. and, and obviously globally, um, you know, one, one definition of the word, the Greek definitions of the word love is eros, which we probably want to avoid in the work environment. Uh, but then you have philia, which really has to do with brotherly love, connection, connection and community, which then speaks to how we, how we belong to one another. So I, I tend to use the word belonging and connection uh, but really I think we're talking more or less about the same kinds of things I think so too <laughs> I agree yeah yeah I, I wonder if we should we should we start we've just got about three minutes till commercial break now but should we with people uh, and yeah, and connecting with people uh, some people would see and I, I'm one of those I always um, choose to so to assume to see the good in people, um, or should we be, you know, should we be wary of other people's motives? Um, you know, what's what's your thoughts on that? It's how do we, how do we, um, how do we view people when we first connect initially with them, Steve? 
Yeah, you know, this is something I, I have been burned by in the past. Um, and Chris, I may or may not have shared this story with your listeners, but uh, in the past, you know, I had another venture that I formed with a couple of other partners, and I tend to be uh, a very trusting person. Um, and what I mean by that is I will take people more or less at their word, do my homework on them. But then I have I found myself in a situation with this organization that I was involved with where my partner ended up embezzling money and things to that nature. So I won't get into the whole story, but you know the, the question really is, should we work with the assumption that people are good? Uh, or, or should we enter our relationships with a, a sense of wariness or um, uh, skepticism, perhaps? And, you know, I, I love what Brene Brown talks about in this particular mindset, which is an open heart and a strong back. Um, and I think that, for, at least for me, the way I love moving through the world to bring love back into the conversation is to have an open heart about things, but also, you know, be be cautious because you are in the business world and people do have motivations that may not be uh, of the purest intent. Mm. Mm. Interesting subject, isn't it? Uh, what about you, um, Rolene? We've got a, just got a minute, so we'll maybe uh, after the break. Well, I think, well, let's not be naive. So I like the open heart and the strong back. Um, mm. I think uh, also that uh, if you come from a, a genuine place, uh, that is uh, hell, uh, that is very strong. I, I really think that we're impacting other people. And if we come from a genuine, loving place, caring, uh, but from belonging, that people will, will respond to that as well. So that we are more impactful than we, than we think, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I guess... Also be wary that life just sometimes doesn't turn out how we expect it to and maybe sometimes yeah. it's got to I think adapt. life is also tough. So I think a lot of us get a, a, choose a negative orientation or we're focused on what's lacking or what we don't have or what's not right. Um, so I think that's also a choice. Uh, that's sort of related. Like uh, I have like to, to, to look for what we love, what we appreciate, what we're grateful for. Um, because, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's good. I, I certainly find myself sometimes when you get, you're going from that very pure kind of you know loving, caring mindset, and something um, does go unexpected, and somebody may, you maybe get something back that you don't expect. Um, I do take solace in in um, in my journaling and uh, and also my uh, my my collective friends. <laughs> so uh, um, it won't always turn out as we expect, but maybe. Actually, we'll get we'll get more good out if we do um, keep on um, being being the best of ourselves uh, uh, forward. We're going to go to commercial break now. I'd like to just um, get Elizabeth's uh, view on that after the break. Uh, do join us. We've got lots more um, interesting thoughts around this subject. And you know, do how do we how do we how do we um, teach our kids to you know deal with this world? Um, do we teach them to um, operate from a a point of love and or do we alternatively teach them other techniques uh, to be able to deal with some of the things that may um, that may happen to them like office politics and things like that do join us after the break from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. 
Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Elizabeth, Steve, Rolene, and we're talking about uh, leading with love or leading with fear. And we had a you know great conversation during the break, and we're saying you know what we really need to be talking about at some point is uh, you know how how do you do this? How do you make this happen within an organisation? How do you bring more love and belonging into organisational life? And certainly that sort of practical aspect um, we're all involved in. Um, I'm involved in now. Um, every week of my working career doing that kind of thing and I think we all we're all in that same situation so I think it, this engenders and means I think that uh, a natural progression will be another show to really look at so that some of the mechanics of how to do it um, so I just um, wanted to just um, ask your opinion um, so Elizabeth on that point that we made before the break about um, you know about how you approach people are you are you wary or just absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah so I think and I love the expression of the open heart and the strong back just as you were both saying Stephen Rowling I think we can't be naive but it definitely starts with assuming good intention and and it shapes how we look at the world right and 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 then it also shapes what we get and I, I remember being a high school my maths teacher she differently to most of the other teachers uh, at the high school. She was saying, I assume only good things of you. I assume that you're going to be honest, you're not going to cheat, nothing like that. That's where I start from. And not every teacher was like that, but it was really interesting to see what she created in us because we were like, she believes in us, right? (laughs) And it really propelled us forward and wanted to get engaged in what we were doing. And it's so simple, but so effective. Mm. I just... uh, you know, one thing I've got got me thinking about now, and it it, it links links to this. And I, I have a situation. I won't go into the details of it, um, but I've got a situation at the moment whereby I think I've operated extremely. I have. I've operated very very honourably with uh, another party, and uh, have uh, have done. I think you know um, operated a very well intended way. And there's been a there's been a problem. There's uh, been a, a failure on on their side to. Uh, to do what would be ex- normally expected, and um, and approaching them in a very nice and very kind and very supportive way, um, asking them to kind of correct the situation, and they're you know they're completely blanking me at the moment. Um, they know they've done wrong, and and I'm in a situation where maybe my only option is um, is is to start a legal inquiry around it, and I'm just interested. You know, is it better 
when someone has wronged you to uh, to go and do something like this, or is it better to let it go, uh, Rolene? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it's certainly a decision. Where do you want to put your energy into, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it also depends. Yeah, I think really focus on where you would want because it also it also costs a lot of effort um, to 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 take that route. I think. Yes, this is certainly something I've avoided. You know, in the last dozen years, I've been operating. I've avoided that situation at all costs because it's very energy draining. But it's um, it's an interesting. One. Any, any thoughts from you, Elizabeth? Uh, I, I don't like the whole idea of you know suing people and, and, and blaming and because uh, you know that kind of blamefulness makes us feel out of control of our own situation. I think though, if you look at it from a leadership and an organisation point of view, as a way of creating a healthy culture at work and beyond, we also can't ignore unacceptable behaviours. Right. Uh, Because then we are in reality supporting those kind of behaviors. So I think we also need to be able to talk about these things. And I think we need to to raise issues and we need to be able to respectfully challenge when things aren't happening, because otherwise, what do we create? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what are we tolerating? Exactly. (laughs) Stand up for your rights, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's the balance again, right? (laughs) Yes, Chris. Going back into your to your situation or predicament, let's call it that. You know, when when someone um, when someone has done something, and let's call it they've fallen short of what the agreement is, uh, a, an element of shame can come into the situation. People don't ever want to be publicly acknowledged for uh, them falling short. So. You know, and when shame kicks in in human nature, we, we tend to do a lot of weird things. Uh, and some of it is we go radio silent because we don't, uh, some folks don't want to actually stand up and acknowledge their mistakes or their shortcomings. Um, but, you know, to the points brought up here, which I, I completely appreciate, which are, you know, in a way, the way you handle the situation, Chris, is modeling the types of relationships that you want to have from your own leadership perspective. And so I think, you know, all all business ultimately is a human-to-human endeavor. And the more you can encourage a face-to-face or heart-to-heart conversation with this person, even if there's issues that they've fallen short on, uh, and do that obviously privately. Um, you know, I'm an advocate for praising publicly and correcting privately. Uh, you know, if you can get this person into a one-on-one conversation to allow them the space to acknowledge maybe where they've fallen short um, and express your perspective on that and then hopefully have a healthy dialogue about it, uh, that sometimes works, often does work if you create a safe space uh, for them to do so. Yeah, that's a good, uh, a good, good advice. It's actually not yeah. a, yeah, it's an organisation actually who've uh, not, a, not a client. It's uh, a third party. I think, organ- uh, and if I bring it back to love, uh, I think if we if we genuinely come from love, um, we tend to be more uh, focused on a solution that is right for everyone involved. So we're back to inclusion and belonging. Uh, so I think that's also. Can you come into a situation where you? can create a, a solution uh, that's um, that's right for everyone. Mm. 
Well, I'm going to move. I think there's some good good thoughts and ideas there and uh, certainly ones to reflect on. And uh, I shall reflect on those with my, my little situation that's going on at the moment. Um, so, but I'm interested. We've only got a few minutes left. Sadly, we're going to be going to be over before we know it. I'm, I'm wondering now, how do we... You know how do how do we teach our our kids, you know, students and leaders of the future? You know, it, it's great. I think we we all come from we come from a place of love, which is is important. Um, when but uh, lots of other people don't, and they come from that competitive element that you were talking about, Steve. They kind of want to win. We've got uh, people watching things like The Apprentice on the TVs and Dragons Den, and you know, uh, brutalizing people and uh, winning winning at all costs and maximizing money and you know, where we come from a world of putting people first, et cetera. You know, that's the, the reality. You know, our kids are going to come up and our students and, and uh, leaders of the future are going to come across those situations. So do we teach them? Um, what, do we, what do we teach them when it comes to leadership behavior, Steve? Yeah. I, Chris, just throwing out an idea for another future show, you, know, you could have a whole episode on what does the Game of Thrones teach us about business life or leadership, uh, which would be, you know, it's a total sidebar type of conversation or, or separate episode. But, you know, it, it's interesting that being a parent, I think the, the, the role of the parent and the role of leadership is essentially quite similar. Uh, we live our lives as leaders and as parents and as, you know, role models for whomever we are uh, in our culture and society based upon our deeply held beliefs. Um, and those deeply held beliefs really form and shape our, our values and come from our values and then form and shape our character. And so I'm very much an advocate for modeling the behaviors that show up in my life and in those circumstances when uh, either in organizational life or even in my family, uh, living up to the the behaviors that that, uh, I deeply believe in, but also talking about why did I do certain things? Why did I make a decision in certain ways uh, so that people understand what the motivations are behind those things. And so you know, not only then get into this perspective of modeling, but you also talk, talk about what the, what the intent of the modeling is uh, for those people who might not be as attuned to why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, Napoleon said the role of the leader is to define reality and to give hope. And reality is shaped by, and this is sort of full circle in our conversation, by how we see the world and the questions that we ask ourselves as we show up in that world. And then the give hope part of it is the how, how we paint the picture for the vision of the future for the people that we're working with or even for our family. Yeah, I think, I think the, the you know, op- opposite way, so giving hope about the vision, I think something I, I think you know, added to that that I, I find very valuable when I'm working with clients is actually to to get them to think, you know, imagine that they're sitting in their chair in their, you know, maybe mid-80s with their favorite um, cup of tea, coffee or glass of wine or beer or whatever it is and they're reflecting on their life and they're asking themselves the question, you know, how, um, you know, that, that, you know what, or they're thinking about, you know, um, their life and what they've done and my question to people is, you know, how can you sit in that situation and ensure that, uh, and what will have happened between now and then to ensure that you're able to enjoy that, you know, reflection 
and enjoy your life all over again and know you've done well. So you can come at it at both angles, can't you, in, in compelling vision going forward, but also to get people to, to move into that space of being elderly and, uh, and, and, and deciding what characteristics and behaviours they want to operate by such that um, they will um, ultimately know they've done a good job and when they leave this world, people will have a good impression of them. Yeah, and absolutely. Going back really quickly into the journaling, one of the questions that you were uh, that just reminded me, Chris, is that uh, which is a journal prompt, which is what is the work that I'm doing today that will matter in a year from now, in ten years from now, and in a hundred years from now, and just reflect on that work. Great, great question, Uh, guys. We've got about three minutes till close now. So I'm, um, I'd love to keep on, on talking about this um, subject. I'm going to actually ask you to, to maybe share some you know, quick final messages. So, Rolene, um, what, you know, any final message from you? Yeah, well, my final message is that I truly, love, uh, tr- truly believe that love empowers and that it's uh, really worthwhile to, to check in with your interior condition and to, to, um, yeah, to um, journal and um, bring yourself in. Excellent. Thank, thank you, Rolene. Um, been great having you on the show today. And uh, Elizabeth? Uh, I would say, you know, kindness, love, integrity, it's all in, contagious. All our behaviours are contagious. So we shape the world we're in, and it's never too late to start leading with love. Well, so be, be what you want um, to see in the world. Exactly. Fantastic. And Steve? Yeah, I would uh, drive home the point that, that I believe that better people make better leaders. And the really the only way to get there, the threshold to getting there, is for leaders to do their own inner work. Uh, to be, you know, we've, in this conversation, we've used the word reflective uh, many times or a few times at the very least. And so as we reflect on how we're showing up in the world, what we actually do believe, and reflecting on what behaviors we're actually modeling, I think that's part of the work that we have to do on ourselves and the more leader can work on uh, growing them own, their own self and doing their own inner work, they take responsibility for creating their life, their life trajectory and their vision for the future. Fantastic. So as with the subtitle of this show, we have to be more to achieve more. I think I've absolutely loved um, talking to the three of you today. It's been a, a real pleasure, and I do hope people have got lots of ideas and thoughts on this area. You, you see, you know, we all we all come from this place of wanting to lead with with love and having that as a you know a predominant way of operating. And uh, we believe in taking a, a look at yourself in the mirror. We believe in using techniques like journaling to do that. Uh, we believe at looking looking at the the good in people first, but we also realise um, that in this world there's a lot that goes on around us, and maybe at times we have to, you know, adjust as our behaviour. Particularly if um, there are you know important situations we have to lean on into, whether we like it or not. Um, but overall, I think that's a you know this area of leading with love is a really really great message. To find out more about each of our guests, go for Elizabeth. Um, you can go to Catapult, that's with a K, catapultpartners.com. And then for Rolene, um, go to um, uh, presenceatwork.com. That's presenceatwork.com. And for Stephen Morris, the nth, nth, that's M-T-H degree, um, capital M, capital D, mthdegree.com. And again, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to also get in touch with me, Chris Cooper, Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Next week is Thanksgiving. Um, we'll be repeating a show on giving and receiving feedback. Well, I, well as I was interviewed on that just uh, uh, a few weeks ago. 
Uh, and there was some great feedback on that. So we're going to share that one. Feedback, probably something you might find over a Thanksgiving or a Christmas holiday. For example, you can find yourself getting some of that from friends and family. And uh, so this is help, will help you be prepared for that. Um, so do take care um, with, um, with your feedback over that period and have a wonderful celebration for anybody who celebrates Thanksgiving. Uh, the following week, we'll be having um, Simon Barrett uh, talking about smarter, not harder, how to take time out of your month um, by um, working smarter, not harder. Um, they're absolute masters when it comes to um, being much more effective in the workplace. So uh, do join us then. And then once again, a huge thank you to, uh, to Steve, Rolene and Elizabeth, and we wish you all well. Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.